and welcome to the Hitman's last great year, a Smack Attic podcast project. We're talking about Bret Hart's final year in the WWF, which is roughly 1997. I'm your host, Matt Vaughn, and if the issues with the WWE Network in Canada keep going on, this is going to be my last great year because I will end... I can't say that. That's not funny to make those <laughs> kind of jokes, but <laughs> I'm losing my mind on the podcast and my guest co-host suffering alongside me. Daniel Pettifaw is here. He's from Punchbowl Party on YouTube. YouTube is a stream platform that allows people to watch their content. Uh, as opposed to WWE Network, which is, uh, I don't know, they, they made a choice recently, an editorial choice, to make it impossible to watch their product, even though we give them money, which I think is a fascinating thing. Um, right. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm, You know what, Matt? I'm doing great. The, like, this whole thing with the network, I know it's been a curse and a burden for us and our smack addicts, but for me... It's given me the ability to, I can get all the new pay-per-views and I can watch Raw and SmackDown on the day or next day, like whenever I want. And so I'm just happier than a pig in mud, man. I'm like, man, loving what I got going on aside so, from how it affects us negatively. So, yes. Well, I'm told for you, I will say, and you know, what, if my American listeners are listening right now and you're thinking, Hey, were you kind of obnoxious when we went to Peacock and everything was fine for you? I don't know. I would say I was obnoxious then, but I definitely was like, I up, I, things are pretty clean with me, guys. Same network we, as it ever was. We were definitely flipping. <laughs> yeah, we were flipping. Well, guys, a thing I love is incredibly hard to watch now. <laughs> I feel it's, it's like I like it's like I have an interest now in movies that were made in the 1920s that are made on that kind of film. It's like highly flammable, and the people just used to like get rid of back in the day. That is a level of thing that I have fallen for. So, well, uh, the thing that makes no sense is that they have all this content and they have a platform in Canada. Now they have Sportsnet. Yes. So they have a platform to dump this content. And so I don't know why they just don't upload it. Why not do the Peacock in Canada? Make it Sportsnet. Say so you have to get Sportsnet to get that, that content. Because even in other places, like I'm pretty sure it's well, on that, Disney and like, other parts doing. of the world, too. Like well, doing... not it's not Daniel. No, it's not though, because they have the full WWE network. If you have a cable subscription, as you as yes. as they always ever did, yeah. Which is, but you know what? There's so much lack of clarity with that because there is a sports side of it all. To be fair to you, where yes. there is this element to it, we actually do get. You get would you say half a network? Would you say you get like? Yeah, I get. Uh, I I basically get the part of the network that I would have paid for originally. Like like getting right. access to the premium live events as they come. That's really why I want the network. Okay. Plus, you get the weekly shows. Uh, and you don't have to wait me, a month. Let me date this immediately. Do they have the NXT premium event that just happened? Yeah, that Night happened. Bash? That's oh, there. Sick, okay. yeah. I heard that wasn't very good, but who knows? Six weeks from now, I, did, maybe I didn't check it out. See, there's a bit too much wrestling content coming down the pipe for me now. So I'm just oh, like... I know. Well, well doesn't think, aren't things great for you, Daniel? We are talking about a show we... <laughs> We I'm going to bring it up one more time, Matt, because yes. it pertains to my reaction to the show. Okay. And I have to wait for that for later. Got it. Okay, well, that's fine. Potentially. Uh, I don't Okay. We're talking about Raw's War for July 14th, 1997. We were live in the Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio, Texas. After being in Canada, we were back in, in Texas. They made a whole point of this. You know, even when they, they're in Edmonton last week, they're like, we're going to San Antonio next week, guys. Oh, baby, you don't even know what it's all about. They so, have yeah, a great let's... graphic for it, too. It like I love zooms that in on Texas, like fire and flame come around it. Watch oh, out. Okay. Watch out, Heart Foundation. You're going to burn up in Texas. That's it. We're going to, uh, yeah, what, what's, we'll talk about that in just a minute. So we get, we, we'll, let's talk about last week's episode. Uh, and we also got to tell people this bonus match because I'm excited about that. Gosh. Uh, last week on the podcast, right after Canadian Stampede, the night after, we started immediately building to SummerSlam 
with Bret Hart getting a shot at Taker's WWF title, even though Undertaker was nowhere to be seen. I'm just going to say that again. Taker, nowhere to be seen. Maybe that's going to be significant later in the show. Uh, Owen Hart defended his Intercontinental Championship against... Sorry, Owen Hart will defend his IC title against Steve Austin at SummerSlam. And British Bulldog will defend his European title against Ken Shamrock, because all the things were built last week. But also, Steve Austin attacked the Hearts last week. Didn't lead to any problems with them. He attacked them during O Canada, our national anthem. And no one fought it back, or nobody got him back later in the show. An insane thing to do. Um, also, Steve Austin told Mankind he would never tag with him ever. And Bret Hart took out Goldust in the main event, which featured the DOA coming out, amongst other wrestlers for some reason. I don't know why. They were there. And it was dumb. It was a dumb thing that happened. But, Daniel, we have a bonus match to talk about after the show, because Bret does not wrestle on this show. But he did wrestle in a steel cage. Against his brother at SummerSlam 1974. It's Bret Hart Owen Hart, SummerSlam 94. A, a match that I've been wanting to watch for a long time. I might have watched it on a VHS in the 90s or the, okay. or the 2000s or something like that. But it has been – if I've ever seen this, it's been 25 years probably. Yeah, I, I, I'm quite familiar with this match. I, I've watched it quite a few times. Okay, you're really? such a freaking expert, Daniel. Oh, my God. No, oh, I, 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 I ma- actually made up with this match when you were dating that match. Okay, well, fine. You know, I married that match. So I, I had the DVD collection of greatest WWE championship matches, and this oh, was yeah. on there. Well, can I ask you, what's the worst match on that DVD? The worst match on that DVD? The one where you're like, this is the, this is a great WWE match? That, that, match? That, that, that's a great question. It would have had to have been one of, like, the early ones, like... Bruno Sammartino, oh. something, something like. <laughs> Don't dump on this, man. I will every every. It was just six hard weeks to, like I did. It didn't transfer for me. It didn't translate. The the style was off. I just couldn't. I know. But it's back in the day where it's like, sometimes they have shows where it, like there's a punch and the crowd's like. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's like every punch is like Jey Uso punching Roman Reigns the first time or something. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> you know? right. That's right. That's right. Uh, let's talk about some matches where there is no reaction by the crowd. Let's talk about the dark matches that happened at yeah, San Antonio. Sure. Nobody episode. cared. Nobody cared. Well, I think they were a little excited about Action Jackson defeating Rod Price. Yeah. There we go. Sounds yeah. like a a a a, a, a B rate. Hold on, a second rate B tier. Uh, <laughs> uh, tournament like a uh, Schwarzenegger ripoff guy going up against I don't know like a insurance salesman Rod Price. Next up, Rockabilly defeated Al Jackson. And I wonder if Al Jackson is related to Action Jackson. Right, well, I, I, the same I hope guy, so. But it could be related. Also, the new Blackjacks took out Jim Johnson and Kit Carson. So there are two Jacksons and two Johnson and a Johnson on this episode of Raw. Very confusing okay. time for the ring announcer. <laughs> it's also Jim Johnson is also here, as is Jack Johnson. And yeah, it's all very <laughs> exciting. Um, Shotgun Saturday Night, we had Flash Funk, who, hit a power, who turned a powerbomb into a sunset flip and beat Leaf Cassidy for the one, two, three. Oh, Lee Cassidy's Scott, still hanging around. That's nice. He's still hanging around. I mean, this is, I think he was thinking about leaving WWF at the time. And then he was like, well, I just get a little head. I'll be fine. And it worked. Very literally. Scott Putsky hit a Polish hammer on Nick Golden and pinned him. Although, <laughs> this is one of those things you're kind of like, shotgun Saturday night. Like, why do I watch this? Well, it's on YouTube and I can watch it much easier than I can watch Raw. Again, I don't want to belabor this too much, but it was easier <laughs> to watch it Raw. So Scott Putsky's beating this jobber up, right? Drops him on the mat, climbs to the top rope, hits this big splash, and I'm like, okay. You have a guy who's going, you have a guy who's like setting up the card, or, you know, he's in the light heavyweight division. But we, we're trying to make something out of him. And he just splashed a jobber, and then he pins him. He goes, one, two, Three. The guy doesn't kick out, but the referee's like, "I was only two. <laughs> it's one of those like awkward wrestling. Okay. Things. Okay. Yeah. And then he hits this, him with the pull of camera. Communication. Gets, 
I have to imagine the guy didn't kick out, but it's also one of those things where I'm like, well, dude, if you're you, you're beating up a jobber, like don't hit him with a splash and then hit the Polish hammer, like and then cover him, like hit him with the pole, like splash and then be like, no, no, get up and then work the Polish hammer anyway. Yeah, it was a funny thing. Also, the Godwins put away Jesse James and Bob Holly. That was the main event. Oh, it was the main event if you watched it on television. Right. Uh, if you watched it in person, I think it was. What was the other one? Anyway, it doesn't matter. It wasn't the exact same thing. Um, they record that first when they do the shotgun matches they 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 switch them all around i think okay then they'll do all that sort of thing um but yeah it's true okay it's interesting so let's talk about rise war san antonio texas i'm excited to talk to you, with you about this daniel maybe because i've i've never worked harder to try to watch an episode of raw and then talk about it on a podcast that's right that's so, hopefully it's worth the effort fun thing is i cannot promise that yeah that's right yeah, you're listening to two two broken down fathers in, in their thirties, just yeah, just right. doing their best or near best. We begin with the video package of Bret Hart and his Hart Foundation being celebrated in Canada, the Canadian Stampede. But now we're deep in the heart of Texas. Uh, I spelled Hart wrong there, like Bret Hart. That's funny. Didn't mean to do that. Um, and last week's most popular, or this week's most wanted in Lone Star State, we have this great wanted poster. They spent the, I don't know if they spent some of the graphics department spent too much time making a classic. Wild West Wander poster with the Hart Foundation on it. And they show it later in the show, and I'm like, we have to show it more than once because it's sick. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was like, you better, you better show this a few times or else I quit. There is something funny, especially as a Canadian, uh, where when I'm watching this now, I'm kind of like, oh, so Canada was a heel. <laughs> right? Yes. Like, yes. It's not just like these guys are like a face of Canada. It's like, no, you guys are like, Canada sucks. Look, they're like, oh, we're finally somewhere where, you know, right is right and wrong is wrong. <laughs> <It's> like, okay, <laughs> right. cool. So we get the intro, we get the pyro, we're live in San Antonio. There's lots of little American flags in the crowd. Yes. Lots it's almost like they distributed them before the show. It does. It looks like I've seen an Oppenheimer. Just kidding, I don't know if you've ever seen that. I mean, a lot of people have seen it probably at this point, but I don't know. Daniel, have you seen Oppenheimer yet? Not yet, I really want to. But again, cool. I'm a well, broken down father, so. <laughs> Fair enough. And you guys don't have an IMAX in Saskatoon either, right? You guys only have the, the premium live screen, the premium screens, right? Yeah, the big, that's I don't know, right, the that's right. We don't, we don't get anything good in Saskatoon. Trash. That's why I left. Just kidding. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I love Saskatoon. I really do. I, I, I like Saskatoon a lot. I miss there. Last time I was there, I stayed at your house, I think. That's right. And we, we watched the all-female cast Ghostbusters film. But we also watched Spy Game, didn't we? Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we did. did that, too. We watched yeah, a we few did. films. watched a few things. It's true. Yes. Female Ghostbusters movie. A movie that I watched recently, probably in the last year, and I remember being like, I was disappointed by this in theaters, and I watched it, and I was like, the first half hour is pretty good, and it falls off a cliff. And yeah, I like the I, cast. I like, the I cast, like it. I, it tickles my funny bone. Yeah. I'm fine with it. I, I like the cast, except Kate McKinnon, who I kind of can't stand. But then I saw her in Barbie, and she was kind of fine. Anyway, moving on. I gotta, we got to press on You here. see Barbie and Oppenheimer. You're living the dream. Bro, three weeks, I went to Mission Impossible, Oppenheimer in IMAX, and then Barbie uh, three weekends that's, in a row. That's all I wanted to do. That's all I wanted to do. I just didn't. I'm living your best life. You're living my best life. Gosh. <laughs> it's so funny. Six weeks later, people are like, what do you do? Go to talk about go back to school. It's September, idiot. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I love, that's I, right. That's right. First of all, I just want to say, I love the idea that our, our, our listeners are so, so rude to us. Like, idiots, stop talking about that. It's <laughs> yeah, fine. That's you right. Well, I mean, we, we have them cased accurately. We know exactly what they think. It's true. They're, they're, <laughs> they're our self-talk. That's it. Uh, we, we start with Bret Hart's music hitting. And he is not getting a lot of love. He comes out with a Canadian flag. He's flanked by all the other members. 
or the Heart Foundation here. And he says he's here for an interview. He's here with uh, Physic Man. He says in Alberta, his home province, he says it's rat free. Same can't be said here in Texas or here in the WWF. I feel like people don't know that outside of Canada, that there's like a province that's like, we don't have any rats here. We got rid of them all. (laughs) One of those things that I'm like. It's a pretty niche thing. I mean, I didn't know that. I was like, okay, sweet. I, can I be a rat truther and say that that seems really unlikely to me? Right. Like, oh, right. I'm going to bring two rats to Alberta and be like, all right, you could start. You're starting over, guys. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Got some rats here. So Let, Brett, let's think about the ecosystem. That's right. I shouldn't mess with it that bad. So Vincent Brett discussed the stipulation that Brett has to win the WWF championship from the Undertaker at SummerSlam where he won't wrestle in the United States again. They brought that up last week. This week they're saying it like, um, I think Brett was like, I have to win the match. And Vince is like, well, actually, you have to win the title is what you said. And Vince, Brett's like, that's true. I have to win the title. That's true. Um, and so we get into this. <laughs> it's this a this, weird, like, weird gimmick frenzy where it's just yes. everyone has a weird gimmick now that they have to. They're not even fun. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the worst thing you say about them. So, yeah, it's like it's like Broadway where you, you're starting off a play and you everyone comes out and goes, hi, this is my deal. This is what I am about. And so, like, <laughs> Bret Hart comes out and he's like, you know, I'm world, world, I have to go for world title. Owen's like. I am facing Austin for the title, for Intercontinental title. If I, if I beat him, he has to kiss my ass. I have Blistex on hand for him. Bulldog's like, if I lose to Ken Shermock, I'm going to eat a can of dog food after the match. Okay, that's new. We didn't talk about that last week. Brian Pillman is there. He's facing Goldust, apparently. This is the first time we've heard that match happens. He says if he loses, he'll wrestle Goldust the next night in one of Marlena's dresses. But if he gets in that dress, he says he'll get into something else of Marlena's too. Right. That's what he says. I can only um, imagine what he beats. All the dark, dark thing about this, an aside, is that this is the feud he has before he dies. And so I'm looking at him like, oh, we're covering the last weeks of his life starting now. Yes. Because before this, I was like, oh, he dies this year. But now I'm just kind of like, oh, he dies soon. Yes. Depressing. Um, Jim Neidhart, looking totally lame, but not for the last time that we'll talk about him tonight. Uh, he says if any, <laughs> he will shave his goatee on Raw the night after SummerSlam if any heart loses. Which is like, well, Why? it's he's likely to happen. Right? This, I don't know. Yeah, but the problem is he'd be like, I'm going to go up against Duke the Dumpster Drossy, and if I lose, I have to eat a little bit of his garbage. <laughs> yeah. And Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing that I'm, I've... The, the thing I'm struggling with this, because I think we talked about... I think it was last week, week on the show. talked about this a few times. These, these stipulations are coming out of nowhere. Right. Where they're just kind of like, if I do this, this has to happen. Like, Austin last week just offered. He was just like, if I lose, I'll kiss his ass. It's like, you didn't have to do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Just, if you lose, you lose. You're just—I guess you're saying I'm so confident, but it's like one of those weird things. I thought of a fix for this. I, I put on my Daniel hat and I pretended to be the Booker for this show. That's right. And I, I wanted to make that. because last week we start off the show and Vince McMahon's like, Brett is facing Undertaker for the world title at SummerSlam, which is like, oh, why? That doesn't—that's it's kind of crazy. Like, like Brett wrestled for the world title last time that Bret Hart wrestled for the world title on pay per view against a world champion. I think was it's time in December, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think he got a title shot since he's got other title shots for sure. Some earned, some not. He was obviously in the final four and he won. But yes, I think what they should have done was I would have liked it better if Brett was like, I got this title shot against Undertaker. I had to make some arrangements with upper management to make that happen. And to make that happen, I had to make sure that my other guys were in matches, my other guys were defending their titles, and that people had skin in the game. And this is a sign of, like, all my boys support me, and that's why, you know, it's title, it's title versus ass in the Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, that's right. That's right. 
zero versus dog food. Like, I just think you need to have a time where where Brett's kind of like, and I don't know if you want to tease dissension. I don't know if you want the guys to be like, yeah, I'm happy to go to, to war for Brett or something like that. But I think it would make more sense if they were like, we have a reason to do this as opposed to, hello, it's me. I want to wear a dress. Because <laughs> all, all it comes off as is just, they're just trying, they're so confident. They're so confident. Yes. And it's not, it's like, they're so confident. It's like, it's not that interesting beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, right. we're going to win. Like, okay, sure. Uh, Brett talks about how, I don't know, Canadians are hotter or something like that. It's going to be Canadian summer. And yeah, as soon be- as he be- says Better that, women, better beer. Hmm. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> we both married Canadian women, so I think we could say that confident. I have friends who are married to American women who would probably be like, I don't know, man, pretty great down there. I'm just like, that's fine. <laughs> uh, well, that's your opinion. Keep it to yourself. That's, that's right. You shut up. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we have a we. This is this is a really funny way for this promo to end. This is strange. So Austin's music hit. Steve Austin comes out. And he stands at the top of the ramp. So the hearts are in the ring. Austin's on the ramp. He's standing up there. He starts to count the hearts, and then Ken Shamrock walks out. Ken Shamrock is dressed the exact same way that Steve Austin is. He's wearing black trunks, black yeah, tights, black boots. He looks like he's cosplaying as Steve Austin. And then another guy walks out the whole time austin's music is just playing and he's wearing american flag gear he's got a mask it's the patriot making his debut just walking out during steve austin's music to be like look this is the debut of the patriot this is we've never seen him before oh my goodness and then here's psycho sid yes daniel does psycho sid come back on the show at all i mean i don't think so no this is his last appearance on raw (laughs) ever (laughs) Not ever. He shows up like 2017 or something like that. But uh, <laughs> Sid has well, gone after this. To see him. Like, him as Steve Austin's potential tag partner is pretty sweet. But, but this is this is what I don't get. Then this also, podcast has made me a fanboy for Sid, man. I, I love it. You're not the only person. This is like, I'm this should have been called the Psycho Sid's best year ever. That's right. Um, after Psycho Sid, we also have Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels is back. He's in street clothes. He's in his hometown of San Antonio, Texas. And so now we've got five guys looking at five hearts in the ring. We've got Austin, Shamrock, Patriot, Psycho Sid, Shawn Michaels. And they stand at the ramp. They look tough. And we take a commercial. And that's it. And it's this is so weird to me. Like, we're eight days after the hearts went against a five-on-five American team at Canadian Stampede. And then immediately, a week They're later, so- here's a way better, here's a way better team. Yeah, right, right. It's so much more compelling. This is like I'm like like I'm I'm handing over my money right now. I'm like watching it. My wallet's opening up. I'm handing them twenty dollar bills. I don't even take money right. out. Somehow the money's coming to them. And I don't know what this is because it's like they're not saying, "Oh, we'll we'll be challenging for the tag titles later." Like Austin is going to have to pick a partner to face Bulldog and Owen later. But that little encounter is not suggest that. And also Sid and <laughs> Sid. And Sean both are in street clothes. They are not like, hey, we're we're ready to perform. We're ready to go. They're both they're wearing things that say we are not ready to perform. We are not ready to go. Yeah, they 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 know what their booking on the card is. They they know yeah. that they don't have a match tonight. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, it's such a anyway. It's one of those funny things where like this is cool, and you're like, why they do this? And then by the end of the raw, I've like half forgotten about it. I'm like, oh, why did they do that? Like, why is Psycho sit around doing this stuff? It's so funny. Right. Uh, it, again, it, they're they're little in a quagmire booking wise. They just kind of got them so stuck. Like this, for this being Bret Hart's last great year, it's kind of coming up a little bit short, man. Like Bret, well, I Bret think Hart's fair. not doing a lot of wrestling. Maybe maybe it picks up here. Well, he's hurt. Here, you, but here's the thing. But yes, like, sure. <clears throat> people are like 1997 Raw is amazing, and I think 
especially having watched from 1996 to 1997, I think what people are reacting to is the Attitude Era is happening. Yes. And the change in the products is so stark where you went from a show that more resembles like a 90s superstars show in late 96 raw and like pay-per-views. And then now we're like, you actually have something that looks like there's so much about it that is more or less what you get on Monday and have gotten on Monday for 25 years. Yes. Since then. So that's strange. And this, and and this feud is a lot of things people like about it a lot. lot, Especially in Canada, it's highly revered, but you also have things you're like, okay, so you're built like, like, I don't think it's the heart's fault that they're like randomly a a group of five guys come out and do nothing. And then also the undertaker, Undertaker's not on the show. The world champion yet again. I mean, so yeah. Daniel, you can you can dump on Bret Hart's last year. You can say that on this podcast. Yeah, well, I just good. I just like. But then it's like it, Undertaker's. Hey, this is a great podcast. This is a great podcast. Great host. I'm really a good fun boy. wrestling to talk about. I make I make good choices. I'm a sweet fellow. <laughs> you are, but the, but this like, what what is making it worse? And this is what I want to talk about earlier. Was just yep. like. I'm sitting here now. I'm able to watch Raw on SmackDown as it comes. Yes. I'm really enjoying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the product right now is so good. The product right now is just so good that it's yeah. hard to watch these episodes and not compare them. And to be like, like, oh, they're like not like... There is a difference between having like professional writers on your staff team. Like that actually <laughs> makes a difference. I can see that. Can I? Okay, you know what I will say, um, and I'm, it's gonna be a really succinct point. And we're gonna get us right back onto our programming here. Great. Is that? Do you know who I think Roman Reigns' favorite wrestler is all time? Bret Hart. Bret Hart. Wow. So anyway, uh, game set match, so, travel so chief, etc. The et reason made the product <laughs> so good now is because of Bret Hart's Absolutely. last great year. Well, okay. I could. I don't. I don't want to pontificate on this. I definitely can't do that. But it is very curious to me that. Okay, sure. So that's yeah. Roman likes Bret Hart. People like Bret Hart. Um, but like even AEW, like the, the Collision is the show they do on Saturday nights, and so much of that show is CM Punk and FTR being like, you know, who I want to make out with is Bret Hart. <laughs> and they do, they wear pink and black gear. They do all this. Stuff. They do tributes to him. And it's not even. They don't even come out and say, oh, they're tri- being tributed to Bret Hart. It's like that's become part of who they are. Is that they're just kind of like. These guys go home and they just like watch Bret Hart matches and try not to stick their hands down their pants while they're watching it. Um, <laughs> okay. Well. And I'm, I'm saying that somebody who's I have a Bret Hart podcast. Right. <laughs> I've dedicated so much of my personal time to talking about one guy who every time he does something, I'm always like, oh, I'm affirmed in the fact that he's awesome. So I feel good about it. Um, okay. Let us move on. Uh, there's a stupid promo for the SummerSlam giveaway thing. Involving golf and a headbanger. I think he kills one of the other one of the headbangers kills the other guy by hitting with a golf ball, and the hint yeah, of life or something like that. Well, well, there's 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 a lightning thing. Did that happen yet, or is that later? Yeah, there's lightning. It's later, but we're not gonna talk about it. It's fine. <laughs> but we gotta have the clue giver. The clue giver is great. Who is this I guy? Know. He's coming. He's like I got a smoking jacket. He just comes out. The clue is life, and you're like. Okay, the clue is like key in life, and you're like, what does that mean? Yeah, um, talk about catching lightning in the bottle here. We've got Brian Christopher and Jerry Lawler going to win Ivan Putski and Scott Putski. So we've got these guys. I think Brian Christopher and Jerry Lawler, I've, I've, the last week or so, and watching the show, have made me want to strangle them. <laughs> right, okay. I, I, I truly despise these people. 
Um, which is too bad because one of them is dead. <laughs> I feel bad about that. And it's the young guy. Um, but yeah, but I also, but this is also an opportunity to say, oh, I like Ivan Putski. Scott Putski wrestled twice on the show. Can I just point that out as well? Um, Ivan Putski, he comes out. He is an old guy. He's in decent shape, though. He is in he decent shape. Like, is, he, does he look like a grandpa? Yeah, pretty much. He looks kind of like your older well, yeah, uncle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he looks like your friend's dad. You know? Yes. He looks like an older dad, yes. Because I want to say a grandpa, because then you imagine, like, you're, <laughs> he's, he doesn't have a walker. He's shirtless sure. and in tights, and he looks fine. He's in decent shape. And he uh, he and Scott, his son, knock the Lawler boys out of the ring, and then he sings the song, which I guess he probably did back in the day. I don't know enough about Polish power. I haven't put to know about in it. such a USA-driven narrative, like, let's go USA, it yeah. just lands weird that we're also like, yeah, and Poland. <laughs> And Poland. Poland. Hey, Poland, you know, often a, a supporter of the United States and foreign affairs and things like that. Um, but yes, the Lawlers attacked the Putskis after this beautiful display of patriotism for the wonderful nation of Poland. Um, Scott gets rolling, hitting a powerbomb and a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker on Grant Christopher before he hands out some drop kicks. Even just this fun spinning clothesline thing, too. His offense stuck out to me because on that episode of Shotgun Saturday Night on YouTube that I saw, somebody in the comments underneath, they wrote like, in these episodes, these were released like the people put this on YouTube like three months ago. There's barely any comments on the stuff. Okay. Um, but this person, one person was like, Scott Putzky is one of the worst second generation wrestlers of all time. He's worse than Eric Watts. He's worse than David Flair. He's like names a bunch of people. I said it to my friend Daniel, and then you're my friend Daniel. I said it to my friend Brian, uh, and I was like, what do you think about this? And he's like, that's that's not true. Like Brian, he's like Scott Putzky's not good, but like he's not worse than these guys. And then watching this, and I'm like, he seems fine. Yeah, hey, he's all feel- right. Like, <laughs> I, I'm sitting here and like I, I'm I'm mourning the fact that he's going to be injured really quickly here because I'm like, you know what? Like, with some love and affection and some time, he he becomes a really solid show opener, you know, or like whatever mid card yeah. player. I think, and, and I guess he's a handsome guy. He's got a good look. Yes, and so I think I think that could take you somewhere. Imagine he has a bit of a Chad Gable look, actually. Like Ooh, he almost looks exactly like Chad Gable. But like, are you two years away from this guy being like, like a heartthrob in Intercontinental Champion position? Is that crazy? I don't think that's crazy to say that. No, no, yeah. I think now, no, late ninety nine. That's his ceiling. Yeah, who has the Intercontinental Championship in late ninety nine? I know Edge has it at one point in ninety nine. Jeff Jarrett has it. I think China has it. Chris Jericho has it. So I'm probably he probably still be in the European title for a picture yeah, considering yeah, those yeah, three yeah, big, yeah. big the, ones there. But who knows? Maybe Scott Putzky takes off summer 1998 or something. Who knows? It's fine. We have to. We can't. We can't imagine a pre 9/11 world in this much detail and have to make his, his gimmick would have to change significantly. Yeah, I think, to fit into the. Wait, you saying the attitude area? You can't just be some random ass guy's son. That's right. That's right. And my dad would say it was earlier. He, <laughs> hey, he would. He would totally be in right to censor. That's... Oh, maybe that'd be all right. Then Polish. Yeah. So the Polish hammer would be like the censor. Censorship bar. I don't know what you call that. Censor <laughs> bar. That'd be okay. Hit him with that. Sure. Uh, Putzky gets attacked on the outside, so he becomes the babyface in peril, as they say. He gets pile-driven by Lawler, but Rankers were interrupts so that he can finish him. So it's kind of an annoying thing where it's like, he looks beaten, and then Rankers was like, no, I will take him out. Yeah. And so Rankers tries for a top rope leg drop. It fails. Scott Putzky gets free. He tags in his dad, Ivan, who runs wild. The fans dig it. Ivan yep. smokes Lawler with the polo shammer. Gets the one, two, three. It's only right, satisfying ending, and um, yeah, I hope this will end this feud because I don't need it. I don't need an old. I don't. I don't need the old guys and the one annoying son and one developing son. That's right. You know yeah. what? Like it was a fun match, though. Like I, I was. It was. I was entertained. 
I enjoyed it. Whatever. But I think my sentiment is similar to yours, that I could also be done with all this stuff. Yeah. Oftentimes, we have to consider, when watching wrestling, was I sports entertained? That's right. And I was sports entertained by this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's right. So Daniel, now... Not greatly, though. Not greatly sports entertained. Yeah, Yeah. it's not like like a, a, a tribal trial or anything like that, or great television, or Sami Zayn with a chair in his hand looking at Kevin Owens tied to a rope handcuffs but that's not sports entertainment Matt that's drama that's drama that's right yeah that's, that's like Emmy shit right there um, <laughs> that's right. but no we gotta turn ourselves to some more intrigue here let's consider who who will Steve Austin team with tonight for the tag title match Ooh. he can pick anyone he can pick anyone including Shawn Michaels Shawn looks not ready to wrestle um, we do see video from recent weeks when uh, Mankind has campaigned join Austin as a team. And so <clears throat> last week, Austin said, look, Mankind, you can join me. Come in and shake my hand. And then they, they hugged, and he stunned him, and he said, I'll never do that. You're an idiot if you do that. And then Mankind was like, I'm going to do something so dramatic and crazy next week. Ah, you can't even believe it. Like, he really sold it. It'll like ch- It'll change everything. The WWE will be different forever, and I'll be different forever. And- it sounds like he's suggesting <clears throat> either, like, either I'm going to come out as Cactus Jack, or I'm going to stab Steve Austin with a rusty knife. Backstage, yeah, and he's going to die. Because it seems like that dramatic. Um, we go to the back to see Mankind. He doesn't say anything. So, like, okay, cool. That's good. Um, they promote a, a Stridex sponsors a clip of Owen Hart versus Flash Funk from last Saturday on Chuck on Saturday Night, which I talked about last week. It's a good show. It's on U- It's a good match. It's on YouTube. Owen Hart having a little, like, light heavyweight action with, uh, with Flash Funk. Worth checking out. Easier to watch than WWE Network is in Canada right now. So, <laughs> go for that. Um, we go to the back with Paul Bearer. Paul Bearer says Kane is alive and he's going to prove it next week. Paul Bearer will. So they're like, oh, is are they going to bring Kane out on in, in Halifax next week? Halifax is where Raw is hosting. Halifax is where I'm recording from. I'm from Halifax. They, they <laughs> talked a exciting. lot about Halifax. I was like, this is so exciting because, I mean, I'm a fanboy for my home. And yes. it makes sense for them to mention it that much because of the whole Brett context. I think otherwise, I don't know if they would mention the town name that much, would they? No, I don't think so. I mean, they did. They talked about San Antonio a lot last week. I think they're enjoying this kind of hopscotching across the border right now, which they can do where they're like, they can be like, yeah, we're in San Antonio this week. Next week, whoo, back to hard country. And so it works for the storyline. I think they're kind of going back and forth. Yeah, okay. a little bit. Um, I think it's the other thing, Daniel, and not, not to defend this too much, that I think the the hard stuff looks weaker in the United States when they're not really building anything that it's not like Brett's not feuding with the Undertaker right now. He just is facing him. Yeah, annoying. But in Canada, at least you can come out and be like, Canada, we're made yeah, of good stuff. Right. So everybody here is got a beaver. We all drink the best beer. The women, their legs are longer than Americans' women's, which is better, of course. Sorry, he's sorry. He's starting to sound like Canadian Trump or something like that. It's way better. The legs are longer. Sorry, sorry, I'm getting PTSD for me doing so Trump impression. But the thing is, is like, what was this schedule like at the time? Like, that seems really inefficient. You would think that you would kind of... Dude, it seems crazy inefficient. Because they're like, they they went Edmonton, San Antonio, Halifax. and But they're going places in between, but not that in between. Yeah, that's right. San Antonio and Halifax, like, I don't want to exaggerate it. They're pretty, like, the only way you can be further apart is if they were in Los Angeles. Or, I like, like I, I never considered visiting Texas when I was growing up. Right. Didn't even cross my mind as a possibility. Right, it's... Simply too far away. Uh, now, we have to go back in time to see 
a match between Tajiri Yoshihiro and Takamichi Noku. So was this his debut? Was this Tajiri's debut? Well, on Raw, was sure. Yeah, I mean, this is. Oh, it, it was so good. I was so it, happy to see him. It is confusing because they do call him Tajiri Yoshi Yoshihiro. We know that's his. Well, there's. I think Japanese names have. I don't know what's the first name, what's the family name, what's the last name. Okay. I don't. I don't want to try to speak to that without any knowledge of that. It's just confusing because I know in SmackDown when we talked about him on the SmackDown Six podcast. They would call him Yoshihiro Tajiri sometimes, so Tajiri would be his last name. Okay. So anyway, Tajiri's here. He's he's 25 years old. He's baby faced. He's got those kind of brief style pants, not the kind of the garbage bag tights he would have later on. And he's here to go up against an equally young looking to Takamichi Noku. So I did not realize until the finish of this match that the Michinoku driver comes from this guy. That's funny. You knew Taka before this though. You yeah, never, like you never connected the dots. He, he had shown up a couple times, but he wasn't, like... He he was just always with, um... Tai and Tai. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I get that, because he's... Yeah, he, he's having... He's getting kind of a showcase here, um, whereas in Kai and Tai, he's just kind of like a guy. <laughs> he just gets, like, yes. thrown out of Royal Rumble 2000, and Jerry Lawler's like, I want to see his face smash to the ground a few more times. Right. That's Jerry Lawler, that's great. Um, so, yes, yeah, so this is, like, a fun... This is kind of like a fun random thing that's happened here. Uh, we find out things like Tajiri uh, was in dental school for a little bit. Uh, apparently, that seems fine. Um, that's right. That's good. Uh, Tajiri goes outside. Uh, he gets sent outside. And talking to Ichinoku, he did something he did in the other sh- uh, other matches, which is a move I love, where he's in the ring. He runs to the, the he runs to the ropes. In a single leap, he leaps the top rope. And then he just launches himself off in this huge crossbody. It's one of those moves that were like – the 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 leap in one ba- like doing it in one bound looks amazing and then leaping with so much abandon looks amazing yeah. it's one of those moves that just like the setup is great the execution looks even better yes it's like so sexy um so jerry gets a <laughs> and people up. love it right like it, it kind of woke up this crowd absolutely and this, this crowd was kind of dead this is when, because this is the thing that they can't figure out with WWF right now, is that they're like, they want to have a light heavyweight division, but they want to do feuds like Brian Christopher versus Scott Putsky. But like, we, I think I talked about last week, he's, they're just small. They don't come across as exciting. They're just small. Yeah. Uh, this is exciting. This is the cruiserweight yeah. WW, WCW stuff where you're like, you can have guys come out, do a different style, wake people up, give them something else. It's it's close. It's honestly closer to the um, what I've heard. You know, Vince McMahon has said before. WWF is kind of like, you know, it's like it's like the circus. Like, uh, you know, there's yes. gonna be guys coming out with elephants. Then there's the trapeze. Uh, sorry, I think it compares to the zoo. My apologies. He's like, yeah, like you want to see the bears, you want to see the lions, then you want to laugh the monkeys, and you want to see the flamingos, you want to see the peacocks. And it's like you want v- variety, and this is variety. Yes, it's variety. Uh, to Jerry back in the ring, he gets a sit up powerbomb for two, and he gets a big heel kick. And that sets up a perfect Asai moonsault on the outside. And then Tajiri hits these kicks that we are all very familiar with, if you've seen him let, wrestle later on. And he catches Taka pretty stiff with a, with a roundhouse kick. Taka keeps getting his head kicked pretty friggin' hard on these. Yeah, that's right. Tajiri, Tajiri always works stiff. He's just, he does. this is who I am. But his kicks, his kicks even sound good here. Like, before yeah. they would sound good, too, he's gonna, I don't know, his thigh's probably really bruised, but his kicks sound very good. Um, Tajiri then gets a dragon suplex for two. I don't know if I've ever seen a dragon suplex not finish a match, although it's possible that I haven't seen them before. Uh, but then Taka hits a drop kick to the back, and then he hits a nice Michinoku driver for the one, two, three. So he gets him up at that kind of like body slam, power slam, brings him down kind of on the head, a little bit yeah. brainbuster style, and he gets that. So it was fun. I, I had obviously 
considering I've had Tajiri featured on the podcast before in a previous iteration of SmackDown 6, I was thrilled to see him back here. And I mean, I've also had this bookmark forever where when I did my research before I started on the podcast, I was like, Tajiri shows up. Mark that down. Yeah, that's right. It's Tajiri fun. Time, baby. The only thing that took away from the match a little bit was that they would do these kind of creative chain wrestling maneuvers that were a bit more risky, where there was just yeah. like little hiccups and glitches along the way. Like there was one where Tajiri's in a bridge and his little penis is kind of sticking up there. Okay, that was distracting. Hold on. When you say that, do you just mean like his groin? Yeah, not, well, like nothing's like, loose and nothing's like erect. No, no, but okay, like you can you. see it through the material. Like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. He's, he's bridging, and you can see his junk. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Taka is like mounting him, and and like <laughs> Tajiri, and then he slips a little bit. It's just it just looks like yeah. you're watching like awkward honeymoon sex is what it looked like to me. So that was like really <laughs> tough, really tough to stomach. You know, folks, I want to discourage you from Googling awkward honeymoon sex at work or in front of your kids or spouse. It's, <laughs> it's a public fair. service announcement for you. I also like the idea of you like, 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 you know, closing the laptop because your wife's coming in. And it's like, it's just two guys wrestling, but you can see his, he's kind of bridging. So his penis is obvious. And then he's mounting him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, my wife. Anyway, <laughs> but I, but the main point I'm trying to make is yeah. that some of the moves that they were going for don't yes. chain as nicely together as the more traditional style of chain wrestling that we're getting sure. in this era with like the leg over the back of the neck and then they do the backflip and then they do the yeah. arm drag and I love you saying because I know exactly what just, you're like, talking about. They were trying to do like monkey flips and whatever else and it just kind of wasn't clicking. Yeah. I think that's but I liked it overall. I liked it, yeah. And I think the big, the big things worked, even the small things uh, were less cohesive. Yes. Uh, we go to the back. Ken Shamrock is there. He is not Steve Austin's partner. He's facing Jim Neidhart later on. Should we go tug on his, his goatee while Nightheart still has it, I guess. And, and everybody says, yay! Yeah, we're thrilled. Um, speaking of being excited about people coming up here, and I'm going to blast through this if I can. Um, <clears throat> the Los Bariquas uh, came to the arena earlier. They came in like a lowrider, I guess. Um, it turns out Vince has wanted guys, <clears throat> Latin dudes and lowriders for a long time, and he tried here, and he got it right with Eddie Guerrero. That's right. Just, it took a like, couple tries. Sometimes you just gotta try and try again, you know. That's right. If you're a, if you're a guy from Latin America and you're in WWE, you're only two gimmick changes away from possibly wearing like a hat and being in a lowrider. So just fair warning. Or you can also just speed up your career and just be like, can I do lowrider? Yeah, that's right. Just just cut to the finish. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> Brian Pillman is because after the lowrider is the championship, right? Well, it worked already. Uh, Brian Pillman is featured in WWF Magazine this month. There's something you need to know, of course. Uh, and the next up, we have the Headbangers versus Jose Estrada and Miguel Perez with other Boricuas. Um, the Boricuas, of course, they last week they were all white. This week, they have red tops. They're changing it up, Matt. That's it. Um, the problem with the Boricuas, of course, is that we barely have a reason to care about Savio Vega. And Savio Vega's like, here are my friends. I will not name them. And you're like, cool. I have no reason to know about the, care about these guys either. It's just not possible. At this point, is it still true that like his best match is that strap match with Steve Austin? Like, is that still oh, sure? Caribbean strap, sure. Thing? I think so. Okay. Unless you got like a Royal Rumble, he was in once. Right. Okay. People, sure. people try to do that. That's fine. Um, I think if the crowd in this arena could watch Nitro on their phones during this match, I think they would have. Yeah. Okay. Realize. Yeah. Yeah. If that was a possibility. Retro sure. Yeah. They, go, they they open their enormous brick cell phones. They go to the Turner app. They log in. They watch a grainy <laughs> 240p image of. Hulk Hogan yelling about something. They're like, I like some way better. Uh, I did notice this guy in the crowd selling foam fingers just walking around. So that wasn't a merch stand. He's walking around being like, who wants to buy a foam finger? Right. 
And I don't know. But I love foam fingers, man. I was at that AEW show, and people were buying those scissor me foam fingers, man. They love them. Well, those those lend themselves very well to being foam fingers. I would be happy to get a foam finger. I don't know who I would get now. I think, did I have a? I think I had a Diesel Fist one. I don't think I'm wrong. I think I had one. Uh, And, but yeah, no, I'd be happy. I mean, the Razor Ramon Razor was kind of sick. Obviously, Bret Hart had hearts and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know what this foam finger was he was selling though. And I was really curious about that because my my default like my default now I think what I'm thinking about is like probably a Shawn Michaels one since you're in San Antonio, right? But it's like do you just do a raw one? I don't freaking know. Um, yeah, Miguel uh, reverses a power bomb in this match. He gets a kind of roll up. He gets the one two three. So that's that's that that's that match. Um, the Brook was attacked the headbangers and the crowd gets excited, but it, it takes a moment before the the DOA can uh, roll down with their bikes and race in hell and get them excited about it. Right. And uh, yeah, DOA again, second week in a row, pretty over. So people are excited about the DOA, which I find off-putting. Right. Especially in like, yeah, southern states and whatever. It's an interesting thing. It does. You can read it uh, really differently when it's like, good, the white men are here. (laughs) Well, the the one thing that's cool, though, is how hot the crowd is for the headbangers, though. I love watching their ascent. I think it's really cool. Oh, man. They're they're very like... If you need like the seed of the attitude era, like the headbangers are it, right? Like they're the they're, they I were, would say they're they're a seed. I wouldn't say they're the seed. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 but you know what I mean? Like they're sort of they're around in the attitude yes, era. Yes, for sure, but but that's the like that's where Vince says, "Okay, sure, let's try something new." Like, sure. They definitely you, seem new. They seem new generation. What the kids are doing now, like yeah. fine. I don't understand it, but go for it. I like that. That's true. So there, there is definitely a cultural awareness that they've shown with these guys that they didn't really have before in the same way. Because, I mean, in the 80s, you were going around being like, wow, there's a lot of ultimate warriors here. Just guys shirtless with tassels running around you college right. campuses who were always well, bringing snakes and bags to parties. That actually yeah, probably right. happened at frats. Well, they, well like they, they could have done a punk character in the 80s. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a terrible Jim Crockett promotions punk. I will have to ask somebody about that, but <laughs> I can totally see that happening. One thing I love about this when the DOA are coming out is that JR is really set on telling us that their motorcycles are expensive and they're very beautiful. <laughs> and I was like, the, he had to write the check on this. Well, exactly, because I'm watching this and I'm like, why are you telling us how nice these bikes are? Because it's like it's kind of yeah, weird. These these are badass bikers, and you're like. Folks, these motorcycles they've got, they're 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 beautiful things. They spent money on these things. <laughs> like, okay, sure. Like whatever, man. Foreshadowing. We go to the back again. The Patriot is in the back. He is also not teaming with Steve Austin. Uh, he has scars in like super weird places. Well, get uh, over. He's a curious guy. This Del Wilkes guy. They actually name him, which is so funny that he's he's the Patriot, a character that has a mask on, and yet. He is. They're also say his full name, which is like, oh, okay. This is the reason why he's not gonna wrestle as that, but he's so around. When Hogan was Hogan reprising this role, like, were we supposed to believe that mm. Hogan was this guy? I don't think we're. I don't think we're supposed to believe he's the same guy, because okay. um, fun fact: the Patriots music is Kurt Angle's music before Kurt Angle had it. Oh, uh, but Hulk Hogan came out to Real American when he was the Patriot. Okay. Right. Was he the Patriot American Patriot? I can't remember now. Okay. The Hulking Patriot, for all we know. That's right. Uh, um, we also go to the back. We see Shawn Michaels is there. And we go back to the Royal Rumble this past year, which was in the same city we're in right now for Raw. And, uh, yeah, Shawn won the title. And I thought, oh, hey, how did that rain end again? How did that, how'd that work out? There was, was there a smile misplaced or something like that? Possibly. <laughs> 
Someone, remember that. someone found his smile in the lost and found. So here comes Shawn Michaels. He's dancing and gyrating, and it takes quite some time before we get to the actual interview itself. But he does get the shirt off before we get to the interview. Oh, and I uh, please his punch. Just super, <laughs> super stoked, it. this guy. Although I was perturbed, Shawn doesn't seem to care about how much WWF cares about him. Right. <laughs> they do the whole pyro thing, and he just doesn't wait. Like, he just gets out of his stance, like, a third into his pyro. He's too cool for that, man. He's, he's like, like he, whatever. He's like a 17-year-old who's like, I'm too cool for that. And you're like, dude, you're a grown man. Like, you're not too cool to perform and do your job. Like, <laughs> that's right. That's please. Right. I, but, I mean, it's it's, such, it's it's easy picking to be like, Shawn Michaels was immature in 1997. It's like, no kidding. Yes, he's like right. the worst man on earth. Yeah, uh, the question he says, you know, will I team with Steve Austin tonight? Because he was his tag team partner. They won the titles together, and then he, uh, then uh, Sean told Bret Hart he alluded in public that Bret Hart had sex with Sonny, which remains to be seen. Um, and then probably Sean did that himself. Uh, and then he got punched and injured and left, and now he's back. And he said, "Will I team with Austin?" He says, "That depends." On Steve Austin. <laughs> and I was like... So, I don't understand. What? We've talked about this before, but, like, if you're the champion, don't you have rights to defend the championship? Like... Well, I, I guess those rights have been superseded by... They set up this whole... <clears throat> they set up this whole tournament. But the tournament's been weird anyway, because it's like, well, and then Steve Austin has to possibly go up against with, some, with somebody else. But it also, it, it's kind of stupid for... Shawn Michaels should be like, I want to go to get my tag title back. They're not doing it. So, they, what they should do is Shawn should say, unfortunately, this week, I'm actually not ready to wrestle. I'm not going to be wrestling, ready to wrestle for a few weeks. Um, he should say that <laughs> instead of being like, yes. it's just weird otherwise. It's just weird. It's strange. Yeah, because as we get into the promo, we get this whole him begging Vince to be somewhere on the card. Like so that he can see at Summerslam. Bret Hart get kicked out of America by The Undertaker. That's, That's like, right. Well, you could defend the titles and then defend the titles at Summerslam. I'm sure they put you on the card. Right, right. That's a perfect reason. That, that's a great reason to, to to insinuate yourself in the title scene uh, instead. Yeah. But yeah, we get yeah, this weird thing where Vince is where, where Sean does the thing where hey, Vince is the boss, and Sean gets to be cool by being like, oh, he's the boss. Oh, I know that, and you guys don't. Ha ha ha. I'm like, all right, man. Um, so yes, uh, I also find it funny because Sean's like, please let me be on SummerSlam. And Vince is like, Sean Michaels, everybody, and then yeah. we just finish up the segment. Sean dances. I also. This is also a moment where I'm like, I'm watching this and I'm like, okay, I don't know if I really picked up on how much Shawn Michaels pretends to be a stripper and how little that actually factors into his character, but how weird that is. The whole gimmick, man, the whole gimmick. And not not just a stripper, really a gay stripper. (laughs) Why is he gay? Is he the attire? Strip for the women. (laughs) Um, Is his, well, okay, we'd have to get into some. He he looks like the village people guys, right? Anyway. Interesting. Okay, so I, I really have to look into and be like, okay, in the 90s, if you got a male stripper for women, how would they be dressed? Hey, traditionally, in culture, right, they'd be dressed as a cop, and they strip it off. Oh, you know, you've ever seen like yeah. a million sitcoms that, where that happens? Right. That's right. Sure, maybe. So I don't know. Um, you, you've listened to many Bret Hart promos where, where Bret Hart's like, Shawn Michaels is gay, and that's obviously super bad. And the fans <laughs> yeah, are like, oh, that's true. They're <laughs> like, oh, that's man. Right. That's not sorry, easy time. Sorry. Not to presume. Not to presume. I mean, I like, if Sean's a gay stripper, like, that's fun. I mean. <laughs> right. More good. power to Sean if he is a gay stripper. And we do think he is. Uh, so, 
Anyway, we come back to more pyro, more intro. It's it's time for the war zone, Daniel. We gotta change our podcast here because oh, yeah. it's not just raw anymore. It's a war zone. It's so funny because there's so many Raw's war signs still up. Like even when they do the backstage segments, yeah, they don't change them to war zone signs. It's just the most minuscule change that doesn't seem to matter. Yeah, it's like because especially because you're creating continuity between the hours, right? Like you're building up to things that will happen. In Warzone, so why does it have to be a different show? Like, I, I, just for ratings, which is what I find funniest about that, is that they're just they're only doing it for a dumb rating thing. It does does not matter. Okay. So they're they're just yeah. I do not really understand why they're doing what they're doing, but they are doing it. So there is that. Like, uh, do so ratings go up during Warzone? They divide up. They divide up the show that way because ratings get divided differently and therefore they get more okay i don't totally understand it it is funny because it's like you you're just playing with you still have the same ratings you're just messing around with it so you so you look like you're winning more even though you more people are not watching your show because you're naming a war zone right i think it's confusing um right. so it's so funny um yeah we start off savio vega comes out yelling that someone has had a terrible accident That's he right. grabs a camera and drags it to the back vince is concerned and um, behind him and JR is a sign that has the F slur on it. Speaking of unfortunate uh, questions about homosexuality sort of thing, there's an F slur behind them. And I was like, oh, interesting. And I was like, if they know that was there, would they blur that now? Because it's just F-A-G-G-O-T. And it's like, oh, boy. Okay, wow. It's kind of oh. rough to see that in writing uh, in a sign. <laughs> right. Okay, I didn't uh, notice that one. Yeah. Um, if you did it now to show, you would get beat up by 10,000 nerds, which is good. You would get deserved to get beat up. Um. We go to the back and we see Savi Vega and the Bariquas, and the quote-unquote accident was that they attacked one of the DOA's bikes. That's right. DOA show up to brawl. Uh, officials try to break it up. The Bariquas leave with one of the bikes dragging behind their lowrider car. Uh, these beautiful, expensive bikes. It, it was a weird setup, right? Because in order to yeah. do the bike gang dragged away, you had to, like, break the bike, attach it somehow to the yeah. car, and then look like one of Los Bariquas was, like, smashing with the garbage can over there instead yes. of where it was parked yes and it's also i mean there's just we don't know enough about any of these people to care what is happening with the, the bikes we don't we don't care i don't care if you don't care i don't care um we go to jim neidhart versus ken shamrock in this uh, a match that i uh, kind of thought was kind of cool i don't know I didn't, I didn't hate this match you like this i don't know let's talk about it here so neidhart comes out he does not have Bret Hart's music jerry, jerry lawler's here on commentary for some reason and I don't know. I kind of like the like, Matt. What do you mean? Some reason? I don't know. I like I like the the bruiser versus shooter approach here because we got it. We got it's like we got the hammer versus the bowling ball. <laughs> right. Yeah. He Shamrock does make Jim do some weird rolling around. He does. He's like going for these holes and stuff like that. So I didn't mind that honestly. Uh, Jr. says he's never been to Halifax before. He hears it's very nice. I'm like, cool. <laughs> he's very excited. I was like, he's you're going to love it. it. Um, I think he's gone since then. He's talked on the podcast about like how there were like hookers in Halifax or something. <laughs> so oh. I don't know if he got what he expected. When he was here. <laughs> um, Ken Shamrock gets a hurricane run on Jim Neidhart. Uh, and then he follows up with a sleeper to choke out Neidhart. And the ref just awards the match to Shamrock. Shamrock has won with uh, the ankle lock. He hasn't really done uh, sleepers before. That's kind of a bit unusual. So th this was a weird finish because Neidhart didn't go down at all. Like there was no... He doesn't like, go down. He's standing up when they call it. It was match, it right? was the beginning of the hold. There was no yeah. tension built. There was no, even just from like a 
match psychology standpoint, it just made no sense. Yeah, why is like, that? It was just kind of on, and Nightheart's a big guy, so you'd think that you would now have like this, like, oh, like Shamrock's big, Nightheart's big, is he going to be able to get this on? Oh, he's sitting yeah. in, he got him down, all right. Yeah. But none of that. Yeah. Uh, it's a funny, it's a funny way to finish it here. Um, but then we Bulldog runs down to attack Shamrock after the match, and so Bulldog and Nightheart work together. They drop Shamrock on the rope and they uh, hit him with a spike pile driver. Pretty, pretty big, big move here. And then down runs the Patriot. Way too late. I'm, I've always in wrestling now, especially. I, I am always watching for does a guy come down well after the guy he's trying to save is got his ass absolutely kicked, and right. then the Shamrock to it. See, Shamrock just got spike pile driven, and the Patriot wasn't even on his way down to the ring. That's right. So he comes up, he hits Bulldog and Nightheart with full Nelson slams, which I believe is his finisher, and I think it's called the Uncle Slam. It's really good. You dig it? I'm I'm digging the Patriot man. He looks good. He's moving good. He he's got a cool move set. I'm like, all right, let's do it. He's in good shape. Of course, his body is mostly chemicals at this point. <laughs> he's on <laughs> eight different kinds of uh, of uh, steroids. Uh, but yeah, this Uncle Slam, Uncle Slam, a move you could use as a, a big guy right now. A big guy wrestler. So if you're that. an uncle at your nephew's party, birthday party, you could yeah. uncle slam them. That's right. Absolutely. Um, we take a break, and Mankind still won't answer questions about his horrifying plans he has for later on. And then we have the new Blackjacks against the Legion of Doom. Oh, but just kidding, actually, because the Godwins attacked the Legion of Doom with chairs during the entrance and hit a slap drop on Hawk on the ramp, making his head bleed, so we have no match. Um, so right. Cool. All right, that's happening. That's fine. But that wasn't clearly explained. Like, yeah. Because the Road Warriors would say, no, we're going to do it anyway. Like, we're not going to let them run a parade. Right. Why Why would this attack lead to me being like, I will not. <laughs> I, I, now we can't wrestle. Yeah. I, unless, unless the blood thing was just like actually an impediment. I think that I mean, the blood to me looks real or, like, or, or it, looked, yeah. it looked intentional. So I'm like, I don't know. But but like the fact that the segment again didn't end with hawk and animal on their backs on the ramp. Yes, I like that. Where it's like we just can't continue. But they were just like standing yeah. around, looking at the ring, being like, should we? Will they? Won't they? And they're just like, well, I guess we'll go back <laughs> to our dressing. Right. All right, I guess we're not wrestling anymore. Oh, um, we gotta make room for Flash Funk versus Vader, and Vader's got Paul Bearer in his. We needed corner. that. Yeah, we needed it. Um. We're told that Vader apparently brought Flash Funk to Japan to train Vader was there, which is especially funny because Vader, Jarrah is saying these guys are friends, but then Vader just kills him the whole match. Yeah, that's right. So it's like, all right, that's fine. Uh, Vader is like smashing Funk with an avalanche. Uh, Flash sends Vader outside. He hits him with a dive from the ring, followed by smashing him to steps. So it's like, okay, Vader, let's go. Come on, let's do that again. Yeah, um, so, so here I give major props because whenever there's a stair spot, I'm always looking for the stairs to get disassembled. And I'm always yeah. disappointed when the wrestler doesn't manage to get them off. So, like, yeah. his technique is beautiful here. Vader's technique yes. is pristine. He hits him at the right angle. He gets his forearm in there, pushes them up, moves them off. Oh, so good. Yeah, Vader I mean, problems. Vader essentially treats the stairs like he's still playing football. And it's like a guy that got a tackle. He's knocking the yes. stairs over. He's he's bopping them out of there, which I liked as his thing. Um but he hits Flash Funk with an avalanche of the ring, kills him again, so we're good. Uh, Vader goes for a powerbomb. Funk gets out of it. He knocks Vader down, hits him with a moonsault, but that only gets two. And then Vader just hits him with a powerbomb, kills him dead for the one, two, three. That's right. So it's great. After the bell, Vader drags Funk over the corner. 
hits him with a Vader bomb. I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I I really like Vader. Like he's yeah. a good, solid worker. He looks good. Yeah. Works good. You believe him. Hits hard. Nothing wrong with a Vader match, you know. Honestly, if this podcast is you being like, ah, Raw 1997, not that great, but you're also leaving with the conclusion that Sid is good and Vader is good. I mean, my job's done. That's right. That's right. Mission freaking accomplished. Those are guys that I I've really come to love. Vader especially. I, I hated them both as kids. I thought they were boring and stupid. Yeah, were, and Daniel, what were you? You were a stupid kid. I was a stupid kid. Stupid kid. And now you're you know, I'm you're I'm glad you're a wise ass adult like an I'm a, owl. I'm a, what did we say? A broken father. A, a broken father. Um, we go to the back. Steve Austin will not tell us who he's going to partner with. We're like, okay, that's fine. And we go to British Bulldog and Owen Hart going with Steve Austin and someone for the tag titles. That's right. Um, Austin rushes the ring. He attacks both guys by himself, just like he said he would. Then Austin I did like de- the start of this. I did sure. like Austin just defending the titles by himself. Like that's He's really- going for it. He gets sent out of the ring. He gets double teamed. Owen sets him into the steps. And then right before we hit a commercial break, we hear some silly music. We see some white boots in the back walking towards the camera. And we're told, oh, this is Steve Austin's partner. It's one of those weird things where we're like, I think the, the the thing that Austin has said is Gorilla Monsoon can assign me a partner. I'm not going to bother with it. Like, this is right. stupid. But, so but I guess, again, not made clear. Not made not clear. Made clear. No. Um, and, for, and for the fans and for the fans of the arena, like, what do they know? <laughs> it's like, okay, some guy's coming out. <laughs> cool. Um, we come back for the commercial. Austin's alone. He's fighting hard, but he clears the ring. And we hear the music again. And then suddenly on the screen, we see a fellow named Dude Love. He says he's here to save the day. And uh, out walks Dude Love. He's bedecked in tie-dye and sunglasses. And Steve Austin is understandably confused. This is, of course, McFoley, Mankind, who's playing Dude Love. This is the character that he, as a kid, was like, oh, this is what I would be if I was like a good guy in wrestling. I would be Dude Love. Well, this Love. is because his nice personal sit-down interviews with Jim Ross that lasted three godforsaken weeks. Yes. Where, where, where every week they would be like, ah, oh, Mankind, he's an interesting guy. And the last week they were like, oh, man, he was so mean to uh, to, Jerry, to Jim Ross, he gave him a mandible claw. But it's like, you recorded those all at the same time. So before the first episode aired, he gave him the mandible, like, you should be leading up every week and be like, oh, he comes across nice here, but he does attack me at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. doesn't make any sense that they do it. Um, so yes, uh, Dude Love comes out. He's just like a guy in tie-dye. He's like a 70s guy. He, he only works because of mankind existed before and it's a really crazy contrast mick foley's just going for it other wrestlers can be like what are you doing yeah so the, and the fun thing is is like his attire is the exact same as mankind just instead of the brown schmuck you have a tie-dye schmuck yes <laughs> exactly but it's like the same fit everything right. looks the same they're still kind of cowboyish boots, right? Because he kind of like uh, that's more of a cactus yes, jack. Thing, yes, yes, the boots are a little different. Yeah, which which I kind of like. Um, so yeah, he dances for Austin. Uh, does not make sense to Austin at all. Owen comes back in. He attacks Austin, and Dude Love goes in Austin's corner. And then I love it because Austin super intentionally after that turns around and tags in Dude Love. And what I took from that, even though because Austin is constantly like, this is one of the things I find, this is one of the things even from earlier when those five guys came out on the ramp and we stood with Austin is Austin looks like he assembled a team with him. But Austin is so anti-team. Yes. Like that's his character. So it's like it's like if Bret Hart just came out and was like, you know, States is actually pretty cool sometimes. <laughs> it's like that does not fit with his character at all. But 
what I'm taking from here is that Austin has been won over by, he's just amused by dude love. So he's just like, fine. Okay. This guy is going for it. This is not what I expected. Tag you in. Come on in, buddy. Go for it. Why not? Because it's also funnier if Austin's a richer character. If, yeah, he's like, don't trust anybody. I'm a badass. But you can also be like, that shit was funny. I don't know what to tell you about that. That was funny. I'm going to let Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, cool. It lets us in. It gives us permission to be amused by what's going mm. on, too, right? Right. So that, that's We're, a really cool conduit. And then the fact that, like, dude loves, like, gets a couple strikes in and then turns around to get tagged back. Yes. <laughs> and then Austin, but, Austin's like, no. <laughs> He declines. He's like, no, no, I'm gonna keep going. It's fine. So, so uh, I love that opportunistic <laughs> nature too, where it was like, yes. well, if I got a partner, may as well use it. Yeah, there's Austin makes decisions here for this moment to be funny instead of stupid, and yes. that's that's important. Those are that's not easy to do. And Austin was a very smart guy. He made very good decisions about that all the time in wrestling, uh, and so I appreciate him making that work here. Uh, Bulldog goes for a power slam on Dude Love, but Dude Love, uh, you know, he's right by his mouth, so he gets him an mandible claw. So Owen breaks that up, and the referee deals with that. It's kind of a funny finish, because you're like, okay. So Owen breaks up the mandible claw, and the referee's like, Owen, go to your corner. Owen is, like, going to his corner. He's like, fine. As he's going to his co- corner, Austin comes in, hits a Stone Cold Stunner on the British Bulldog. Uh, Dude Love covers British Bulldog. As Owen is going into the ropes, uh, or I think he's just, he's just fresh on the apron. Dude Love covers him. He gets the one, the two, and the three, and he wins, and he gets the tag titles. And Owen is just kind of coming into the ring at three. And so it's right. kind of one of those things where, like, usually you would have a guy be way more waylaid by that. I think Austin probably should have stunned Bulldog and then just knocked Owen away. And then Dude Love turns around and does it. Because otherwise Owen just kind of looks stupid. Yeah, but, you know, it worked. I, I, I acknowledge the delay. It's okay. But yeah. uh, but I liked the, – the main event of that finish was Austin seeking and doing the stunner. Dude Love getting the win. Yes. But it's really Austin's it, win. It doesn't really matter in the end there. Uh, and so that's right. Yeah, this this big funny thing where it's dude love is here. Austin's tag title is is still tag champion. It's kind of unclear how we treat Austin's reign there. If it's two reigns, it's one. It's one. Be switch partners, which is a thing you can do. Um, yeah, I wonder so what the gives, stats say for how many times he was tag team champ. That's a good question. I wonder. We'll have to look up on the WWE website because they've had that stuff before, and so we'll have to see. Uh, my guess is he'll say one. Okay. Or not one, because he won tech titles after that. But yeah, I think it'd be around one. I think this would count as one. Uh, the referees give the ref rather gives Austin and Dude Love the tag titles, but Dude tries to give his he hands his back to Austin, which is weird. It's like okay, well you're you're in a team like you deserve it. Austin's not really sure what to do with that. But then suddenly two women jump in the ring and fawn over Dude Love. Yes. To me, like look how sexy he is. Which and he's so surprised. Odd. But I'm like, are you Dude odd. Love? Right. You should be like, of course I'm here. It's one of those things in the moment where I'm like, if you remember what he said, like, I think he was like, oh, yeah, dude, love. He's like this cool guy. He's kind of what, what I'm not. He's like confident, sexy, like women like him. And so it's really funny to see in this context where like women come in, you're kind of like, well, that yeah, that feels like like that's too cartoony for me. Like you're going a little too far with that. Right. It's just like it, it would be like if you had a wrestler and it was like, oh, man, he really got his clock cleaned. And then you like zoomed in and there was like little cartoon birds flying around his head. That's literally cartoon, but it's kind of not the same thing for me. Um. Austin drops the tag title in front of Dude Love, and he quickly shakes Dude Love's hand and he leaves. And Dude Love dances with his ladies, and we go off the air. Uh, but Danny, we had a we had a dark match as well. Okay. It was the Undertaker defeating Bret Hart and Steve Austin in a triple threat match to retain his WWF Championship. Daniel just reacted in a way that I'm so satisfied with. So I told Daniel the Undertaker was in the building, and Daniel cannot fathom this. The Undertaker, for two weeks in a row, has not been on Raw despite being the WWF Champion. And you were shocked by this. You know, why does it surprise you? Austin, yeah, Undertaker's around. We're just, we're just not using him to build up SummerSlam. Why not? Uh, 
it's it's that's infuriating to me. You could be sure. doing some really cool stuff with the Undertaker, and I realize that you've kind of hemmed him in. You're kind of like, we're 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 run out of ideas for this soap opera story with Paul Bear, <laughs> which which is it's weird because it's starting it's just starting to heat up in a way. Yeah, it is, but like. Like it's like they needed time to get Kane signed for this or something. Like, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which so, it's, it's like it's almost like they're like, look, we need to title off Undertaker, and it would have been convenient if we got it off sooner rather than later. But our cards are dealt, and he has the title, even though we don't want to do anything with him like that. So I don't know. It's weird. It's but that's a great weird. match to see too. Like that's the other thing. Oh yeah, if you're the fans in the crowd, you're like, this is sick. Is that you can? It. Oh man, like why not that be the main event for? Anyway. Why not that be? Well, I mean, the Austin and the tag title thing is like that's a pretty important thing for kind of like the mid card. It's also, I mean, the thing the other thing to say as well is that Austin and Dude Love being front and center for the main event of Raw is like, well, they're going to be front and center for the main event of Raw in a year's time when it's April May '98 and they're working pay per view stuff together. Yeah, it's a little glimpse of the future. Um, so with all that said, Daniel, let's get your final thoughts on the show and your rating before we get to our bonus match here. Uh, a bad show you'd say was in the dungeon. A decent show, but not a great show would be a Nightheart Zone. You could say that. Or if it was a good show, you could say it's a TBT, ITBT, WTBT, EWB, which is the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Daniel, your thoughts on your show and your rating, if you please. Yeah, so you know what? Like, it was in the middle of this match. Los Fariquas are running out with the bike thing where I was yeah. like, man, like, this is just not as good as today. Like, they just really got locked down on today. They know what's going on. They know how to tell good stories. Everyone is, like, good at their in-ring job here you have the spectrum of like good bad so like i was teetering on dungeon here i'm gonna give it a nightheart zone yeah uh just for the takets jiri match that was sweet that was a sweet yep. little bump the dude love stuff that was sweet lots of yep. fun sports entertaining um i i i liked the putsky stuff didn't love it but it was, yep. it was fine but uh, there, there was a cool couple of like, yeah. So we're just gonna do a nice little wrestling match here. But, but otherwise, there's nothing, there's nothing grabbing me. Even Sean yeah. stuff didn't impress. Like, I need Sean in tights, and broken heart tights. That's all I need to get excited. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I get that. I get that for sure. Um, so you say Nighthard Zone? I mean, for me, the show is like a mix of like pretty good stuff and death. So it's like, okay. I like I like the match with Baby Jiri and Taka. I like Shamrock not Hart. That was fun for me. Uh, I thought Shawn Michaels brought some energy with his promo. The Hart stipulations are good. They're kind of random. The main event had some juice, but the Dorico stuff sucks. Rikers for stuff is awful for me, and Taker's absence is nonsensical. At the same time, I'm gonna give it a very light TBT, TBT, WTBT, WTBT because no, because I liked it more than I thought it was bad. So that's what I get. The 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 title the title of that rating is deceiving and guess what i understand that that's why i don't say it is the best there's so part of the reason why it's it is anachronized i would say <laughs> let's talk about something a little bit something a bit obviously better daniel let's talk about a bonus match <laughs> yeah something that is the best there was the best there was <laughs> bret hart versus owen hart steel cage match for the WWE championship summer 94 give you some context bret no one had been at odds ever since owen turned on brett's royal rumble 94 later in the night bret wins the royal rumble kind of co-wins with lex luger at WrestleMania, he gets to wrestle for the title, but he also has to face Owen that night. He loses to Owen in the, in the you know the opening match. He wins the title later that night. Owen stands with his hands on his hips after the match. It's all very exciting. Um, 
Owen won the King of the Ring, 1994. And so here at the big show of the summer, these boys are going out inside the seal cage. And this is just one of the best Brett matches there is, as far as I'm concerned. One of the better WWF matches there is, as far as I'm concerned. So this, we're going for This it. isn't the main event, right? The main event I mean, that night is Undertaker versus Undertaker, right? This is a dark thing, right? Where it's like, that's that's the match that goes on last. But this is the funny thing where between the interviews for this and how long it goes after the match, uh, there's so much time on the show devoted to this match because this is back in the day when it's a blue bar steel cage and they need to set it up. And so yes. after the final match, they have they have its studio interviews. Um, before the match, Vincent Jerry Lawler wander over to Stu and Helen Hart, who are in the front row, the Brett, Brett Nolan's parents. They interview them. And you realize as they're interviewing them that you're like, oh, there's more hearts here. And you're like, wait, you're recognizing the brothers? And then we have something very kind of interesting here. Um, we see British Bulldog is in the crowd uh, in the front row with his wife, Diana. He's been in WCW for a while. He just finished up with them last year. And so he is he's back. He's going to start wrestling for WWF in August, but he or oh, later yeah. on in August. But we didn't even know he was going to be here. And so, and the crowd is kind of like the, the commentator is like, "Oh, this is okay. Like, here's this guy that we know." And they're not saying, "Oh, he used to be in WCW or he left," but he's kind of like, "Oh, here's one of our guys. Here's a guy that used to be a big deal here. He is. He has an amazing look. Where he is jacked. His arms are enormous. He has this beautiful curly long hair. Yes, <laughs> he looks hilarious. And then behind Bulldog is Jim Neidhart. I think anyway. So Bulldog's like, "Yeah, I hope Brett wins." Jim Neidhart behind him, he's like a total punk. He's like. I know. I think Owen is clearly at his best. I think we're going to see him win tonight, potentially. So Nightheart's like, I think he might win. And you're like, okay, that's interesting. Another Bret Hart brother steps in and we give Jim Nightheart some grief. And we go to the back. And it's hot Beckingles with Bret Hart. He's coming back from some strep throat, apparently. But, uh, yeah, he says that he's got the WF title is going nowhere. He says he knows better than Owen. He does not hate Owen. He knows Owen is jealous. And maybe Jim Nightheart is the reason this all happened. Maybe Jim Nightheart was kind of speaking, whispering some evil things to Owen Hart the whole time. <laughs> so we're setting some stuff up here. Uh, Brett says this is going to be a dogfight. And so we go back to the ring, and we get some very important information, which is that Howard Finkel tells us the only ways to win this is to leave the cage. There are no pinfalls. And that is going to drive the whole match. That's kind of all that matters is that leaving the yeah. cage becomes a two-count-like situation, right? It's the kind of thing you, you try to do the whole time. And if you are not used to that in a cage match, you might find this match tiring. You might be annoyed by that. But <laughs> right. it depends how you feel this was it. all that I thought a cage match was because I right. grew up in this era. So it was the blue cage. It was this rule set. So when all of a sudden there was pinfalls in cage matches, yeah, <laughs> I was terribly confused. And then to find out that that was how they used to be, I was even more confused. Isn't that funny? Because yeah, because even and I've heard people be like, well, cage matches don't make sense if you're trying to leave because the idea is you want to be in there with the guy. Yeah. But then but then WWF kind of evolved that to where it's like, well, that match you're talking about is a hell in a cell. Yes. It's going to be locked in a cage with people, which is good because there's a roof on top. It, it looks so much better for the let's lock them in because they're locked in. The roof is closed. Yeah. Um, cage matches are funny, uh, but I yes. like them and they make me happy. Well, well, well the, the thing is, is the cage, the traditional cage match, it's one guy wants to be in there with them and the other guy doesn't. The guy's like, that's in, yeah. the dynamic, right? Yeah, exactly. And even the, there's even times where back in the day, like the cages were more like there was more like wire. Like it wasn't even like bars you yeah. could climb up. It would be more like you're, you're just contained. That's all that they've yeah. done here, right? Uh, Mick Foley tells a story in a book, uh, one of his books. It's, it's a very funny thing. He talks to this wrestler. I think, it's, I think it's the guy who trained him. And I'm going to get this story wrong. So so check out, man. I mean, if you like this podcast, you haven't listened to, you haven't read Mick Foley's books. I mean, those are very classic of the time. But he tells a story about this wrestler who's like, he's like, you, you they're like, okay, wrestler. He's like, he's like not from 
you know, somebody like from Italy or something that like, okay, just don't tell the people that it's chicken wire. It's not like, it's not like a, uh, it's not like classic chain link fence. And so <laughs> there's this guy in a promo and he's like, look, it may look like chicken wire, but it's not. And he's like an Italian accent or something like that. And you're like, well, don't. Okay, that's not what we wanted you to do. <laughs> he's like, lie to them and say this. And I'm like, why would you say it looks like it, idiot? Okay, anyway. Uh, Owen Hart comes out. Uh, his King of Hearts image is projected. The entrance door, he comes out. Looks like a playing card. It looks fun. He gets in there, climbs inside the cage, raises his arms. He's all excited. I was also looking, Daniel. I think this cage is about eight feet tall. That's my guess. Okay. Because then the guys are, you know, it's a couple feet, maybe, maybe nine. Yeah. I don't think it's 10. If you stand on the top turnbuckle, your waist is probably where the cage it's ends. It's obviously 12 feet, Matt. Come on. What do you mean? Well, maybe from the top of the rope to the, maybe from the top of the floor, actually, though, because I would have accepted the ring would be four feet and the cage would be eight. <laughs> I could actually accept that. I, just, I just mean they, they tend to say things like that. They tend to say I know. The kind of thing where you're like, it's 12 feet tall. I was like, well, that's true. Then Bret Hart is nine feet tall. He's <laughs> yeah. Goliath. I've never seen him before. Um, Brett walks into the cage when he comes out after putting the sunglasses on like a little baby nephew he has. And he walks into the cage and he immediately gets attacked by Owen who punches him and throws him in the corner. And when he throws him in the corner, makes this big loud noise because the cage is there and it's rattling and shaking. It's awesome. And yeah, there's no referee in the ring. So that's always interesting. Like I've seen that. I think the ladder match at WrestleMania 10, there's also no referee. Sometimes it's conspicuous by their absence, right? Where Right. You're so used to seeing them. So used to seeing it. Even if you just need someone to ring the bell. Sometimes they won't have a referee in there to do it. Um, so, yeah, it's a different experience. It's interesting. And so Brett goes to climb the cage for the first time. But Owen stops him before he gets too much headway. So Owen tries it himself, but Brett drags him down and catches him with a back suplex on the way down, which I like that. He's kind of catching him from the cage and bringing him down. Uh, what I was impressed with right yeah. away in this match is that all of the moves had intensity. Yes. Like we we went right to kind of big power moves back and forth right off the bat. And so it just gives this sense of urgency, it gives this intensity to the match. Very cool choice that they were just like, "Hey, why don't we like try and climb up this thing and then we'll just like destroy each other to right. bring each other off of it." It's like, we "Okay. Don't, we don't do that stupid thing where uh, we hate each other so much, we want to just want to kill each other and then when the bell rings we lock up." Yeah, that's right. That would be dumb. And I also, it, it, like, <clears throat> the crowd is into it immediately. The crowd is into it the whole time. And this is not a yes. short match. This match is long. This is a and long match. And the they sustain is, it. The crowd, it. the crowd digs it the whole time. They do this cool, I, I love this, this 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 little thing they do right at the beginning here, pretty early on. Brett is he Brett lunges for the door because you can escape through the door. And so he's diving there. He's on his stomach. So Owen grabs his leg and he drags him back to the middle of the ring. And then Owen lunges for the door. And and they're Brett doing like a leapfrog situation. They do it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. They lunge for it. And I don't like the door as an option a lot of the time. But because it just it, and any match, the bell rings. You just like, OK, turn around and leave. Like you don't have to. There should be an easy way to get through the cage. But in this case, it's like good. They're like fighting for it. They're clawing for it. They're doing it. And at some point they go like, OK, well, that's not working. We have to try something else. Yeah. Well, what, what, <laughs> what bugged me a little bit was that Mike Kyoto, stupid guy, he keeps on like trying to close the door as the other guy's like lunging for it. I'm like, you're going to hit someone in the head. Like someone's going to get hurt. He keeps on trying to close the door as they're doing this thing. Anyway. If you want to hear a podcast about someone getting hit in the head with a, the door of a blue bar steel cage, just listen to our SummerSlam episode in a few weeks. That's right. That's right. That freaking happens to somebody. Um, uh, Owen hits the corner to climb up, but he gets, and he gets all the way over before Brett grabs him by the hair and drags him back over. Yes. Uh, And they battle on the top rope. Owen pushes Brett off and he hits a drop kick on him. And then I love it because Bret Hart. And then Owen hits that, and he kips up, and he heads out of the cage. 
And so you have this thing where Owen does his cool move, and he immediately is like, I'm fine. I'm going to get out of here. And so Brett grabs him again. Brett straddles the top of the cage, but Owen bites him. And there's there's some intensity there, too. And they stay up there, and then uh, Brett finally hits Owen's head into the cage and drops him. And then Brett falls down afterwards as well. Um, yeah, Brett gets dropped from the top turnbuckle onto the top rope. Uh, and just kind of like falls off of that, and the crowd treats it like death because they're into the match, which is great. Uh, Brett goes for an elbow. Uh, from I think it was, I don't know if it's the second or top rope, but it doesn't matter because he goes he does the thing where he goes he does it from his back and he never hits that, so he fails yeah. there of course like he does every time. Um, yes, and then we have Brett Owen gets all the way over the cage again. Brett grabs him, he grabs him by the hair, and Owen even lets go, kind of dangles over the floor with Brett holding yeah, on to him. That's a good, so good. That's just crazy because it's like if you're not confident in that, then Owen wins the title. <laughs> like, yes, that's true. You just blow it, and it just happens. Um, but he comes back over. Uh, Owen grabs Brett while he's scaling the cage and he gets this kind of angle slam Samoan drop kind of maneuver on him where it's like a half angle slam, which I like that. And we go to the crowd and we see a, a British Bulldog is on his feet. He's yelling for Brett to get up. And I think the commentator, like Lawler's even making fun of Bulldog. Like, wow, why is he, why is he cheering so, you know, why is he so partisan for this? Uh, he just, yeah, he's just giving him crap for him. Um, I'm also watching this match. I'm like, man, it would be tiring to work this because you're wrestling, which is already tiring. And then you're always climbing up. Yes. Climbing up. You're going up to try to leave. You're climbing up to try to stop somebody. I, like, I was getting tired watching this just because I'm imagining that these guys are just blown up to smithereens, man. They must be dead. They must be dead. So Owen grabs Brett. He gets a second rope back suplex, and he follows that with a pile driver on Brett, and Brett is struggling, and he barely grab, managed, he like is barely managing to grab Owen's leg when Owen goes up there um, to like climb out. Uh, and so he manages to do that. Owen loses balance and falls down too. I kind of dug that too because you have this moment where it's like Brett is pretty much dead, and then Owen has a chance, but then Owen loses his balance. And you're like, well, you would lose your balance if this is an athletic competition. Every now and then, yeah. So you just, so this, right for you. This was the thing that I was watching for, and I loved it too. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. But I was thinking because they were doing it like quite a bit, and I was like, is this the genius of these two guys that they're kind of calling for these? slip stumble spots or are their legs just spaghetti right and this is what's happening yeah so either way it's fine because the product looks great because the crowd's like yeah oh like there's this like immediate back and forth of he's gonna win oh he slipped he's not darn it like yeah but were they like i like to believe that they were doing a little bit of that stuff on purpose they're almost setting up seeds for like in case we don't get it right uh, but it's good too because you also the, the length of this match helps too because you're like anytime from 17 minutes on the crowd can all believe like oh this might be the end yeah anything happens and that just happens for another 10 12 minutes uh, we have a moment here where Brett goes for the door he gets two hands on the floor but Owen's there and he stops him how do you feel with the two hands on the floor is that are you okay with that as long as it's not two feet they said two feet yeah earlier. feet feet yeah. feet is always the thing feet is feet, the thing feet not hands um. Kofi Kingston uh, cements that for us as fans later on. In life. I'm rolling my eyes. I'm shaking my head. The Kofi <laughs> Kingston stuff is, I do not go in for that. It is <laughs> dumb. Um, Owen gets slung into a cage. The crowd loves it. It is an absolute war between these guys. They're just t- trying to kill each other, trying to get it done every time. They've gotten well past the point where Brett's like, I don't want to hurt my brother. He's just kind of like, I'm going to kill this guy. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Owen grabs Brett around the waist, but Brett dives forward and he sends Owen into the cage, which leads to a near escape. I think just about every time that someone gets sent into the cage, from the mat, it's almost always Owen, which I also like that as well. It's not back and forth that way. Right. There are parts of this match with the ma- match is very back and forth, but Owen keeps getting thrown into the corner and thrown into the cage, and it's not close. 
And I get, I'm just very amused by that when they're just kind of like, no, Owen can't beat Brett at that part of the game. He's yeah. always going to get set in there, uh, which is good, which is why CM Punk and FDR worship Bret Hart. That's why these things happen. Um, Owen climbs out of the corner, but Brett grabs him, and he does what I was waiting for all mass, match, rather, which is that he hit a massive superplex from the top rope out of the cage back into the ring onto the mat. So good. Yeah, it's not exactly the same height as the uh, Hogan uh, Big Boss Man uh, cage match superplex. Have you ever seen that? Where I believe okay. they're on the cage when they go backwards, uh, whereas yeah. these guys are staying on the top rope. But uh, it looks great, and you can't get that much height when you're staying on the top rope, usually because otherwise you would just lose your balance. When you're on that cage, you can do that. Brett slowly crawls to the door. Owen grabs him. He drags him back to the middle of the ring, and he gets him in a sharpshooter. And it seems a good strategy. You hurt Brett badly, whether it's his back or his I'm legs. I'm going to break his legs! I'm, I'm going to break, break his, his legs. legs! But Brett, while Owen is yelling that, he reaches back and he grabs Owen's legs. And then Owen gets falls backwards. He falls, on, or he falls kind of onto his face. And Brett stands up, and he has Owen in a sharpshooter. It's a perfect reversal, and one that will totally screw Bret Hart over at SummerSlam, or Survivor Series 1997. That's right. It's the exact same move. And the referee calls for the bell as, as Shawn Michaels is falling down from doing the sharpshooter and getting reversed on him. Um, Brett releases the hold of the sharpshooter. He goes to climb the cage, but Owen grabs him, he punches him, and he drops them both down to the mat. Uh, and Owen climbs. He ends up on the outside again. Brett climbs too. He ends up on the outside, and they're both out there. And I love that because then in the match, you're kind of like, okay, well, this has to be the finish. Yes. Because they're both out there. And uh, Owen, Brett smacks Owen into the cage, and Owen kind of like drops, and his legs get stuck through the cage because this is the big. I don't bar know cage. how he managed this. I know it's because it's a couple moments, and then it's a hit, and then Owen is kind of like his legs are stuck. And he must have been setting his feet the right way as he was getting hit. Like, yeah. Yeah, anyway. So Owen is now upside down, hanging outside their cage, but he's stuck. He can't get his leg out from there. He's like beat up and hurt. And so Brett sees this, and he does this very intentional jump down where Brett's like, okay, here I go. I'm jumping, and I'm landing. I'm landing with both my feet. The bell rings, and he retains his WWF championship in a big old war cage match here. Um, the crowd goes ballistic. Uh, the Hart family's on their feet, but then suddenly... Jim Neidhart jumps the rail. He attacks the British Bulldog, knocking him and Diana over the rail. And then oh, Jim wow. attacks Brett from behind. He chokes him. Uh, Jim, Jim and Owen take Brett into the cage, and Neidhart has this chain. He locks the door. It takes forever to do it. Um, and Owen's got his boot off, and he's hitting Brett. And then Bulldog is trying to climb into the cage. They, they have Brett in the cage. Bulldog's trying to climb in. Owen hits him with the boot. Other brothers are climbing in on either side. Owen keeps knocking them down. And finally, Bulldog gets in. He punches Owen. Owen and Neidhart head out, and the hearts are fine. It's a little bit too much, but like I get, it's kind of a fun visual with like Owen and Jim like fending off the brothers, fending off the family there. But right. I did want this to just be a pure good victory for Brett, right? Uh, sure. Which I didn't get, which is too bad. They want to build things up, they want to keep going. Although I'm trying to remember like how much actually comes of that after this, but um, but yeah. Big match. It goes on DVDs that Daniel owns that talk about you know the best matches of WWE. Um, yeah. Uh, do you think people should watch this match? What do you think? Oh, I think people should watch this match tonight, right now, this yeah. moment. Go out there, go find it. Uh, it's great. If you don't like climbing or escape attempts, like you have to, you have to kind of get on board with how this match is shaped early on, uh, and it's just, it's just going to be a different kind of cage match for you. It's not, it's not a, it's not just a blood brawl where guys are just trying to be throw each other in the cage and pin them and knock them out. It's, a, it's knocking guys over and trying to climb out and That's right. it's all that's stopping you. 
And I realize that if you're in Canada, you can probably find this one actually pretty easy on the Sportsnet app because they have kind of the big four pretty established. There we go. So there you go. If you, you have the chance there, if you are unlucky like us and you live north of the border, which despite, you know, Brett, Brett, Brett Hart keeps doing all these um, – he keeps doing all of these promos about how great Canada is. He has to probably admit, like, WWE Network doesn't work that well in Canada. Um, <laughs> that's right. So it's too bad. So, folks, uh, that's going to do us for this show. Next week, we're covering the July 21st, 1987 episode of Raw is War. It was live in Halifax. Uh, there's no bonus match because Brett's in the main event. It's going to be a big show. I'm looking forward to talking about it. It's going to be one of the better ones we do on the show. Um, except today, we have some stiff competition because I had a great time with you guys today and we went with Daniel. Uh, you can follow us on Smack Attic Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can share the show with a friend. You can review us on Apple Podcasts. If you have any ways in with the WWE Network support team, if you get them to fix the network before I lose my mind with this podcast, that would be much appreciated. And, uh, Daniel, thank you for being on the show. And as my parting gift to you, I'm going to tell you a quick story that I forgot to tell you beforehand, which is um, my son. Uh, I have, like, some wrestling figures in the house. And he is drawn to Shawn Michaels. Yes! We have this, I have this wonderful uh, WrestleMania 12 Shawn Michaels, the white the white tights, the, the, the gold hearts on there. It's a great look. And um, the other day, my, my wife saw him playing with him, playing with the figure. And she was like, oh, okay, what do you, you know, who do you got there? And my son, who was two, said, I don't know. And the way he always says, I don't know about things. And then my wife was like, okay, sure. And he went, John Michaels? And I was like, I think my son knows Shawn Michaels to see him. I think he recognizes Shawn Michaels, but I don't think he recognized Bret Hart. And we've talked a lot about being broken fathers on the show. And nothing made me more feel more like a failure as a father than that realization. A sickening oh, moment, really. I'm, happy. I'm so happy. I think I was mm. right with the world. I think any sadness I was feeling about how life is just sometimes too much is just dissipated. Folks, yeah, I hope you can enjoy Daniel's joy. And I hope you maybe spare a thought for me as we go from here. Thank you for listening. Good night.